hopefully this is not a flash in the pan and we're building something that's really sustainable and mm. something that's going to continue for years to come. Like, let's not squander this moment. That was Anne O'Dong talking about this moment in time for the Matildas. Anne is the founder of The Women's Game, a website that's done so much for building the profile of women in football in this country. She's a self-confessed football nerd, and we talked to her about what's changed in football over the last decade and what we can do better. This is Play It Forward, a podcast about women in sport where we tell sport differently. I'm Tal Karp. And I'm Laura Douglas. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram or even check out our website. But in the meantime, here's Anne. We're here with the wonderful Anne O'Dong. Where are we actually? Gloomy Sydney. I'm always saying sensational Sydney because normally the weather is amazing, but it's actually kind of gloomy today. But you're in the Henry Davis York building, which is it's pretty fancy. Art decor. It's very fancy. Henry Davis York. Is so. What's your law firm called? Henry Davis York. Oh yes, <laughs> I'm killing it today. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, it feels good. It feels good being here. I do need to ask, how does it feel being interviewed rather than being the interviewer? Yeah, it's very strange. It's also like when people want to photograph me and I'm normally the one on the other side of the camera. <laughs> it's, it's slightly uncomfortable, but I'm happy to do it. <laughs> I want to ask you about where the women's game came from. Where did the idea come from? The idea came from a bedroom in Perth, Western Australia, when I was working with a good friend of mine, Penny Tannerhoth, who many people know. I know Penny Tannerhoth. Yeah, Penny, she's great. And I was doing radio with her and um, it was not long after the W League had just been announced by the FFA and I was trying to do research and I just found it really, really difficult to do. So I know nothing about websites, but I'm going to start a website. And... I did a couple of YouTube videos on coding and all sorts of things and started the website. And the first one was, oh my God, it looked awful. <laughs> it looked so bad looking back on it, but it got the information up and that was the main thing. That's huge. So you, sh- you saw there was a hole in the market and you decided you'd be the one that would fill that. If I see that there's something that needs to be done, I just kind of do it. I think sometimes in women's sport, we, we kind of can talk about what the issues are and talk ourselves into this situation where we're not actually doing anything. Analysis paralysis. That's, that's such a great phrase. Do you like I'm that? Okay, that. Awesome. I'm stealing I'm it. Not I'm not totally enough, but, taking know, credit <laughs> for all of that. But yeah, I just went, you know what, I'm just going to do it. What's that's the worst great. that can happen? Just get out there and get started. Yeah, get started. Start lean and then build up to something bigger. Absolutely. And you just, you don't know where it's going to go. And it took a lot of time. And I was at uni at the time as well. And I was working. and But I was just felt really passionate about it. And just felt like, yeah, we need something. And it started small. And that's all you can do is just start small. And so talk us through the journey of how you you went from that initial stage to a stage where what, you've got a huge social media presence, you're at all of the major tournaments, you've got membership, I understand, across 59 countries. How did it happen? Certainly couldn't have happened overnight. No, it definitely didn't happen overnight. It's so important to have really good people around you. That's why I work with you, Laura. Yeah. That's the nicest thing I've said to her in a few weeks. Anyway, (laughs) she's she's looking very shocked about it too. Just another moment. We had a moment on the plane. I got a bit worried about the turbulence. And now just another one. It was a bit of a moment. Anyway, this one's recorded, Laura, so you can do it forever. forever. Anyway, back to you, Anne. (laughs) I moved to Sydney in 2011 and I'd finished uni 
and I knew I wanted to be where a lot of the football was. Um, so I moved to Sydney, um, knew absolutely nobody, just packed up my bags, pointed to a map and picked a suburb of where I was going to live, didn't have a job and just went, I'm just going to do it. And when I was at a game, I met a photographer who just walked up to me and said, hi, I'm Joseph Mayers. And he was the first person that came on board. And not long after that, I started meeting more and more people and we had people come on board. So you're building a community of people who want more information about football. That's yeah. what you're doing it for. But then you're also building this community of people who are happy to cover the game. Self-funded? Yeah, family. Which is amazing, isn't it? That is passion. Family. You know, friends who become family. Family. Yeah. Wow, this is like a sharing this thing. This is a sharing of, family. of words. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they became family. We've travelled. We've all covered the Asian Cup together. We travelled to the World Cup and covered that together. Uh, we've, we've covered where do I sign many up? seasons. Fun. It's lots of fun. So, um, we, yeah, we've covered nine seasons and now heading to the 10th season of the W League and we've just had a lot of fun along the way. I think that's that's what works is everyone does it for the right reasons. Yeah. Knows they're not gonna make millions of dollars out of it, but are really just happy to promote the game and keep it growing. Absolute passion. Selfless and passionate people it sounds. I don't think we're selfless because I think we get a lot of it out of it too. Mm, that's wonderful. That's How do you have time? I mean you've got this all consuming job and then you've got this all consuming yeah. second job in a way. I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we met this morning, just before 7 o'clock. Yeah. So I think that's indicative. You're already in the office for Yeah, I'm normally, I'm normally up by about 4.35 most mornings. That is nuts. Um, and you don't drink coffee. And I don't drink coffee. I don't know how you do it. Um, Where's the motivation to get up without coffee? The women's game. The women's game. Oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Football. I'm sorry. Driven by the football. All right, so back to football. <laughs> you talked about W League, Asian Cups, yeah. World Cups. Tell us about some of the highlights. For oh, you wow. as a reporter, for you, um, for the women's game. You know what? This might sound a bit strange, but one of my highlights is watching young players who I've met when they're in their early teens and all they've got is like a dream to make it for the Matildas and just watching them achieve that dream, first of all, and then become recognised outside of like our mm. bubble mm. that's really one of my highlights and I've seen that with like Sam Kerr now mm. I'm, I met her when she was quite young and you know Steph Catley, Alana Kennedy all these people that we interviewed when they were like 14, 15, 16 year olds and are now really doing it on the world stage yeah. that's a real highlight for me. And also it must be seeing how coverage of women in football has changed over time because it's not just within the football bubble right. anymore, is it? Yeah, everyone's interested about the Matildas. Everyone loves the Matildas now. and So it's like this whole progression of like just coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And out of the it, shadows you've written. Out of the shadows. Like that. I've yeah. all of your phrases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you take us to, you know, Penrith and Newcastle. And oh, that must have been emotional for was... you. It was emotional for me seeing lines backing yeah. up. You know, hours yeah. before the game. I think the funniest thing was a friend of mine who emailed me going, oh, my God, I didn't think it would sell out and I don't have a ticket. What am I going to do? And <laughs> how like, wonderful is that? How good is that? The funniest thing for me was hearing that there was scalping involved. And I feel like, you know, <laughs> we've made it, it when yeah. there's scalping involved. And I'd throw to Laura here because she is an expert of all things match corruption, <laughs> bribery. It. You know, it's a great expertise to have, <laughs> Laura. Have we made it when there's scalping? Well, that's what I wonder. You know, if there's more corruption in the women's game, is that an indicator that we've somehow 
become a success. That's terrible, isn't it? I'm just wondering if that was an indicator. Look, uh, no, we're, more... a, we're a corruption-free organisation. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that out there. And we promote corruption-free environments, <laughs> right? You know, if this is just no. lack of opportunity and then once the opportunities become greater, do you think yeah. that might increase that problem? For so long, um, there was an altruism around the people who cover the game, people who worked in the mm. game. That It was very, very altruistic. But now it's becoming mainstream and with it comes the really good, which is great at the moment. Lots of promotion, lots of discussion. The team's playing a really good brand of football, really exciting football and getting results. Yes. The flip side is the criticism. Yes. And I know players have struggled with the criticism, Mm. even from us, an organisation that is about the promotion of the game. And I just wonder what the flip side will be once the criticism comes for bad results, for bad performances, how the game's going to deal with that, because I think that's an indication of the maturity of the game. I think that's Mm. absolutely right. It's one thing while we're riding high, while we're winning. I welcome the conversation. I welcome there being colour to commentary and it not just being how wonderful the girls and women are, but rather these are the things that are happening in the game that we could improve on. I find that far more interesting. So There's a maturity in the commentary that's required there too, yeah. though, isn't mm. there? So you need more journalists understanding the women's game and the history of it and you'd be able to compare not with men but with women's game before, you know, with previous matches. And I'm wondering if there's that depth of knowledge outside of your own coverage. Well, I'm looking forward to that depth of knowledge because it means then that we don't have to just cover the news items because a lot of times the reporting I do is just getting out the news, getting out the facts, yeah. getting out, you know, those media releases that so-and-so has moved to this club. And I'm a football nerd and I really want to get into the weeds of it. I've always I wanted to get into the weeds nerd. of it. But I haven't had the opportunity to because we just have to do the mainstream. Because you're educating people yeah, still. Yeah, mm. just the day-to-day, the routine reporting. Yes. And I'm hoping we get into a space where the mainstream media are doing that. Mm. And then we can switch and become more niche and really look into the issues, do lots of long-form investigative pieces that really talk about the key issues in the game. And tell stories. And tell stories. And and also, on the playing side of it, really do great tactical analysis pieces because we're not just doing a match report because nobody else was. And do you feel like the momentum is on the way to yeah. get you to that place? Yeah, I really do. Hopefully this is not a flash in the pan and we're building something that's really sustainable and mm. something that's going to continue for years to come. We try and keep people in the game who are not using this as a stepping stone to men's football because that can happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, but people who are wanting to stay in women's football. Mm. I started in men's football. I started my first five years. That's a good story. You used them as a stepping stone to get to the league. I come in men's state league and, and, you know, I copied the A league and, you know, I I find that women's football is just so much richer. There's a real richness about What what is it about women's football that makes it richer? They're real. They've, They've got real stories. I think money can insulate you from real life. Okay. And the players haven't been insulated yet because the money hasn't been there yet yeah. before. You know, I'm hoping one day we get to the stage when <laughs> we too can be insulated from real life <laughs> because of money. But there is an advantage that we should leverage in the meantime, and Absolutely. that's the relatability of yeah. these players. 
We've been talking about where to for the Matildas, where to for the media in, in covering the women's game. But let's take us back a little. The 1999 calendar, the nude calendar, how far have we come from the time when we felt that we needed a calendar to demonstrate that women played this game? I think we've come a really long way. I think one of the things that people forget is that that team that did the calendar, there were some bloody good footballers in that team. Yeah, there were. Now when you look at the Matildas, there's lots of chat about what great football they play. How good a foot of a footballer Sam Kerr is, how Lisa Devanna is one of our greatest ever players. The discussion and the conversation is about the football. And I feel like the Matildas of the mid-90s to mid-2000s never were allowed that conversation about what good footballers they were. Yes. And that's where the sadness is for me. And that's really important to go back and look at our legacy and to see how wonderful these earlier players were. Stories that haven't yet been shared to the way that they could be. They also built a really strong culture and identity about what it was to play for Australia. And I feel like that identity is is still coming through, you know, never say die Matildas. Yes. Mm. There's yeah. a lot of goodwill from those Matildas too oh, now, which is lovely to see, isn't it? You would rightly think some of them would be bitter that they didn't get the chances that the current generation did, but they're just so happy for it all. They understood it's, an, it's a continuum. It's, it's not something that just comes out of thin air, it's a continuum. Absolutely it is. Talking about the continuum, not just for the Matildas, but also for women in sport more broadly, we're really interested in your views of how that's changed over time and how the Matildas might be a reflection of a broader momentum around women in sport. A lot of the momentum that's occurring now is in relation to team sports. A space is opening up for women in those team sports and women are taking their shot now. Do you think we have some way to go with the language that's used in the way we commentate about women playing team sports? Yeah. I feel like the language is the language of men's sports transferred into women's yes. sports. Yeah. The comparisons well all the time. Yeah. I, I'm somebody who does it too because the terms of reference have always been men's yes. sports. Mm. And therefore, you know, to describe somebody to somebody who's starting out in the game, mm. you have to reference a male player so that they can get an understanding of what the skill set is. Yeah, like you, you hear know. Sam Kerr is like the Cahill of it's, the country. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm hoping that there's going to be a one day where we can just go, she plays like this. Yes. He That's plays it. like her. I like this conversation about content because too often we talk about the fact that there's just not enough coverage about women in sport, which is absolutely true. We talk about horse racing getting more coverage than women in sport, which is you know, one of Laura's favourite lines. She had that prepared. Um, Laura has a bit of a horse background. She was telling me about blowing up horses' nostrils and so forth. That was Laura, by the way. That was not a sound grab that we found. Um, still don't know how to find sound grabs. But, yeah, we need to think about it in terms of both level and content moving yeah. forward to progress, don't we? It's, it's about building depth, building depth in the personal stories, building depth in the content, building depth in the coverage. Sometimes we focus too much on the backstory of the players and um, not enough on them as an athlete. Okay. You know, women's stories are always about the human interest. We don't really hear that about men's football because guess what? They're just professional footballers. Do you no. think that's done because we think that that's what women want? No, I think it's done because it's a story that's available to them. I wrote a story recently about Sam Kerr, about that real football insight, mm. because most of the stories we hear about Sam Kerr aren't about that. Well, they're often about her brother. 
Although don't. that's starting to change, isn't it? I think I like so. the hashtag. You know how she's got all of those hashtag things are really great with social media. <laughs> but, you know, the, the Sam Kerr facts. Yes. There's been some good ones. My favourite is um, there's no question mark on Sam Kerr's keyboard. She has all of the answers. <laughs> That's also something that I think the FFA needs to be applauded for. They started that Sam Kerr Did they? They did. Congratulations. And I think their social media presence with the team has been so much better. And, again, one of the things we always wanted was not more. We just want equal if, okay. you, if you're doing one thing for the Socceroos, do the exact same thing for the Matildas. And I thought one of the really great things about the games in September was that this time they treated it like a Socceroos match. And guess what? It was great. I mean, the merchandise. You walked into the stadium oh, and you could God. finally buy a Matildas top. It was so good. I, I found that a bit emotional. Did yeah, you? I did. It must have been a real buzz amongst the press at those games. You know, down there covering the game. You've been covering the games for so long. Or some of you might have been new. I don't know. Were there yeah, new they, people there? There were a lot in there before. There were a lot of new people. Yeah, and, and it's like yes, we've got this massive crowd. Now. Yeah, 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 and there were a lot of new people. And I feel like, I feel like some people who have come into it, uh, it's like, well, this is what happens every day. And it's like, no, this isn't what happens every day. This is new <laughs> and this is amazing and really, really a momentous point in the history of the game. I feel like there are a lot of really good people who have worked really, really hard yeah. and it was a nice thank you to them for yeah. working that hard to get to the game. A lot of people who have done a ton of behind-the-scenes work, just putting in the hard yards when nobody could see to ensure that the team was on the park. And it was just, you know, I was standing there with some of them and we're like, who ever thought? Well, that's it. And the women's game, obviously, and, and the work yeah. that your team has done yeah, in you getting thought. us there. Let's talk about... Oh, yeah, yeah, I thought but I thought it would be a lot longer. I really yeah, did. So I, did I. Didn't think it was going to be in my lifetime. No. I, I thought... No, I thought it would be in my lifetime, but I thought it would be a good 10, 15 years away. Right. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. But what I really want is for that to become the norm. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the barriers to your own entry to the game of football because you've loved the game forever, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, forever. How did you not play till you were 17 years old? I think that's the conversation that we've all had in relation to, I guess, what is culturally accepted. Okay. And, and I'm of African heritage. I'm, my parents were from Uganda. There were refugees that fled the Ugandan Civil War, and we were lucky enough to be picked up by Australia by the um, through the United Nations um, High Commission for Refugees. We were two weeks away from being Americans. Oh, my God. Thank <laughs> lucky goodness. Lucky we missed that one. <laughs> Where would women in football be if that happened? And it was culturally not accepted. So my brothers have played since they were four. And for me, even in school, the only thing that girls played was netball or hockey. And the netball was $60 a year and it was just and something that they was could. So much and more football expensive. was so much more expensive. It took way more Freddo frogs that you had to sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I remember doing that for my brother. He owes me so much. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was 16, 17 and I thought, and yeah, I'm going to play. How hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I played as a goalkeeper and um, I really just, I loved it. It's I started playing again and I was just saying to my brother the other day that it's like this weird thing because I've been covering the game for like 15 years. 
I know what I want to do, but my body does not have the skills to do it. This is happening to me. And I I can imagine myself getting there, but then I don't get there. And I'm like, I know I need to whip that cross in, but I don't have the skills to do that. Well, no, in your head, you know what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. And I know where my fullback should be, but I'm like, Mm. why is it? See, that's why I retired for the third time. Because the brain and the body, they hate each other. They hate each other. And I become a really bad person. (laughs) Maybe we should do esports. Yeah, we should we not know. do esports. That we is a whole other topic. Oh no no, I am killing it at FIFA. Killing it. <laughs> uh, the yeah. other day, my brother decided to play with, with the Matildas as of uh, so four five one. I said to him, Francis, that's not what we that's not what we play. That's it's not, not going to work. That's style. not how it works. Anyway, he's getting killed, and I kept whispering to him the whole time. Four three three. Four three three. <laughs> <laughs> he kept getting out. Shut up. And I'm like. He did it at halftime, three 0 I'm like, well, what did I tell you? Wow, wow. What did I tell you? Into esports, there could be some money in that. There, there is, is money. Definitely there money is. in that. Did you see the FIFA guy that won? Like the FIFA esports won like a million bucks. Oh my god, this could be your new way of funding the women's game. <laughs> <laughs> Where to from here for Anno Dong in the women's game? We're at this point where we're we're steady and we're trying to just consolidate. The next two years are going to be two big years, and I hope they're really two exciting years, years for the game. And for us, that's that's what we want to do. We want to do what we do at the moment and do it well. Great. You know, this is my opportunity to always say the shout-out to the team because I'm always very, very cognizant of the fact that it doesn't work without the team. We always um, laugh about the fact that there is a team on the park, but there's also a there team, is a team on the park too. Yeah. And the women's game has been an important part of that team. And, you know, I've loved every moment of it. Um, it's been challenging. It's been tough. It's been very much sleep deprived. <laughs> it's been fun. And one of my favourite things is just meeting some really good people. I've yeah. met some great people along the journey. Wonderful. Yeah. And we have a question that we like to ask all of our interviewees at the end of our podcasts and that is knowing what you know now Mm. what would you tell your 12 year old self I would tell my 12 year old self that it's gonna be hard you're gonna have a lot of sleepless nights but man is it gonna be worth it nice yeah it's really gonna be worth it we've heard that Anne's got a voice and I can't help but ask could you take us out with a song not just a voice on paper, like a real voice. This is a big deal. All right, here we go. We could have had it all Rolling in the deep You had my heart inside your hands And you played it to the beat Oh my gosh. Oh, no, uh, you're incredible. <laughs> Such a voice in all senses of the word. Thank you, guys. Thank you for everything. That was so much fun. Thanks so much for being on our show. Bit of a postscript because, let's be honest, I can't help myself. Laura, that horse. I can't believe you did that horse, but how good were you? Oh, that was mortifying. You put me up to that. (laughs) 
you know, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make the horse drink. <laughs> You're not just a one-trick pony. Well, oh my God, some might now. be thinking that. Anyway, it was a little noise that I had to make tell ask me to do it, and I, then I, I really was so mortified. In a choking sense, Laura, I didn't expect you to she actually do it. She hasn't taken it out, and now I have to live oh, with that. hysterics. I re-listened to that, and I had tears coming out of my eyes. That was just so unbelievably beautiful. What's the next party <laughs> trick going to be, Laura Douglas? It's not going to be on this podcast. Come on. No way. No way. <laughs> right, I'm calling it enough <laughs> of that. Um, you can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. Our handle is playitforwardpod, forward spelt F-W-D, or check out our website, playitforwardpodcast.com.au, and forward is spelt the same. You're listening to Tal Calf and Laura Douglas. This is Play It Forward, a podcast where we tell sport differently, and I think we're done. I think we are. See ya. Bye.